morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for June 25th, 2017. Oyo here. So very, very glad you joined us. Nice summer weather. And uh, here in the Central Valley in California, we're having a little heat wave, triple digits for maybe <laughs> five, six days in a row. It even reached 110. Uh, and, of course, they say it's dry heat, and it is dry heat, but it's still hot. Uh, but I can remember it's that humidity that really is the killer and the heat index and so forth. But uh, And I was sometimes wondering, gee, what did we do before we had air conditioning? You know, I mean, we're, I'm of the generation where... There were many average houses and cars. They didn't have any air conditioning. But when you, whatever is the, the, you know, the, the reality around you, you just accept it. Okay? And that's sort of like my brother used to say, you know what really caused a lot of trouble is television. When television became ubiquitous, and people in third world countries had televisions and they could see the options, the different styles that were going on around the world, then they said, hey, we're missing out. Before that, they were contented. Now, I don't mean to suggest that we shouldn't have progress in everything, but that's kind of, there's a, there's a kind of like a trade-off there. And, um, of course, when you, back in the day, we had a lot of other ways to try to keep cool and so forth. Uh, and sometimes I always say each generation gets softer and softer. I don't know how true that is, but different, I guess. Well, I have a routine, a daily routine, where when it's nice and cool, that's one good thing. It cools off at night. We're about... We're in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada, so, but we're only about 1,500 feet, so we don't get snow, and but it does cool off at in the evening, so that's very nice. And so you get up in the morning and nice and cool. I remember uh, my and my brother went to his uh, daughter's summer. They had a summer house in Lake Havasu in Arizona. And they went there for the weekend, and he was complaining away because, you know, it didn't cool off at night. <laughs> you know, in the evening, still 95. You get up early in the morning, it's still 95. But here, it's nice and cool. And uh, so I go out to the garden, do the outside work while it's still cool and uh, do a little weeding, walk around the garden and see what's going on. And um, like Yogi Bear used to say, you could see a lot, you could see a lot by looking around, <laughs> something like that. Um, so you just like to walk around and see this and that and, you know, uh, tie up a tomato plant that's starting to sag around, branching out. I'm going to tie it up 
so that it's not so low to the ground. You look around, and by golly, I see a big old, I grow in watermelons. And, uh, bang, there's a big one. How did I miss that one? It's already so big, you know. And watermelon, they really like the hot weather. Of course, eggplant and peppers do too. And, uh, but, uh, last year was the first time to grow melons, cantaloupe and muskmelon, I think is the proper term for cantaloupe. And, uh, it did pretty well. So I did it again this year and it looks like I'm getting a pretty good crop. So I'm learning how to, every once in a while you talk to people or you see someone on the internet and you learn different pruning techniques or how to thin thin the young fruit out. And then uh, I have a little orchard area where I have some plums and peaches and um, figs and cherries and uh, look around. And there I have a drip irrigation system set up in a deep water the orchard area once a week or if it's really out like this I do it twice a week let it drip all night long so it'll get down deep to the roots and it's so nice to see nature and just to stroll around in the garden and commune with nature and I remember we used to for our lay program use a book called The Sacred Depths of Nature by a, by a biologist, and she made the case that um, the kind of exalted <laughs> communion feeling you get when you're out in nature, oneness with nature, she made made the case that that feeling is equivalent to the most spiritual experience that religion can give. Um, and it wasn't either or. She she liked the traditional trappings of uh, traditional religions. and uh, But she just wanted to make the case that in her experience when she went out into nature and, and every once in a while, you, you can't. You can't make it happen, but once in a while, you just sort of create the conditions where it might be likely, and boom, you you have a a real feeling of oneness with everything, and and so she said, you know, she feels that that is the equivalent of a real genuine religious experience too, uh, and uh, and that that reminds me that. Uh, the nature, when you're out in nature, when you just spend some quiet time. And I think a lot of past generations, they probably, you know, we were agricultural societies. Then we became industrialized, and now we're in information technology, I guess, um, era or zeitgeist. But our, it's, I think it's so primal, the, the land sky, you know, and the seasons and so forth. So I really try to uh, give the 
quiet time to to experience those things. Well, okay, I'm going to introduce our guest to give us a Dharma glimpse, Jane Markham, and living in Pennsylvania, and she's part of our current LM10 group. And uh, okay, Jenny, it's all yours. Thank you, and that uh, that both made me hungry and want to take a walk, but I will do my talk. Now, hello and aloha to everybody in Dharma Radio Land, and a blessed end of Ramadan to our Muslim neighbors and friends. And greetings from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Maybe it's the first time for you to have a greeting from here, so it's the home of Three Mile Island and also fried funnel cakes, but please don't ask about the last one. We've been having a hot, humid, and drippy summer so far, although it's not so much so now, but this past week totally reminded me of an adventure I had in Hawaii. For three weeks, about 15 years ago, I helped out at the Buddhist Study Center Library in Honolulu. And on Sundays, I went to the English language service at the Big Shin Temple in Honolulu. During one service, I was dozing off. I confess I was was totally dozing off. It was hot, drippy, and humid, and the usually constant ocean breeze was absent. The sanctuary was not air-conditioned, and they relied on open windows and the absent breeze. And there were always, almost always, was a lovely offshore breeze that made life beautiful, almost no matter what the temperature was. But okay, no breeze that day. And it also relied on the lively Dharma talk to keep you awake. But as I said, I was dozing. Lots of people had fans. But suddenly the priest started talking about gin and honey. Whoa, wake up call. And uh, I know that uh, some of my Shin friends weren't really adverse to popping open a can of brew or uncorking a bottle, but it's the core of a Dharma talk. Whoa, what was up? Was it uh, like the Dharma of Metaforgetta with a nip of sweetened island gin? Uh, but no, what was coming down was a talk on Jean and Honey. I'll spell it because I probably didn't say it right. J-I-N-E-N-H-O-N-I. The naturalness of life. When you live the life of natural naturalness, um, you don't worry needlessly. You live in harmony with what is happening with nature. As Koya Sensei just said, you live naturally. And uh, I had a good silent laugh at that, and I also had a good story to tell afterwards at lunch at Zippy's. But ah, the next day was my day. I was taking a day off from helping at the library and going to the beach. And as a kid living near Philadelphia, going to the shore, going to the beach meant Atlantic City, and going to the beach was the greatest treat in the world. So I was getting ready to go to Hawaiian Beach. And I uh, looked at the bus guide, and I chose uh, the route that went to Makaha Beach. The bus, uh, excuse me, uh, Oahu has a terrific bus system. It goes all over the island and just to all these fabulous uh, beaches that I'm always reading about. So, okay, Makaha Beach. Uh, I looked at the uh, schedule or at uh, at the guide, and it was just a bit up the west coast, probably all along the shoreline. And then I would spend a day at the famous surfing beach watching the waves and waving at the surfers. Hey, pure bliss. So I got on bus number 40 around 9 in the morning, and I imagined arriving in about half an hour or so. But, uh, okay, darn, Uh, there was no window seat free on the coast side, but I could still see a bit through the front window and across the aisle. So, okay, underway. 
then, my God, it was getting cold, brr. Sometimes happens the bus air conditioning was really chilly. So I pulled out my beach towel and my surf shirt and wrapped up like a like an Eskimo in Hawaii. But okay, I'm along the way. Oh, but what was this? Instead of taking the coast route I'd imagined from the map, the bus snaked in and out, up and down, virtually back and forth across Honolulu and into the hilly suburbs. No sign of the ocean for an hour not feeling good with all the weaving, and the only palm tree I'd seen was a plastic one in front of a used car lot, and that reminded me of Kitchy, Wildwood, New Jersey, not dreamy Hawaii. Then we passed a pressing Hollowa Penitentiary, or I guess now they call it Correctional Facility, Hollowa State Penitentiary, really grim prison facade, and the grim memories I had from a pastoral care visit I accompanied once. And then the bus went back to more meandering. Oh, guess what? Two guys were loudly chatting about cheating, telling endless details about their love lives. Oh, God, what the heck? Another half hour, and way off to the left, there was a glimmer of ocean. Jeez, after all this time, I was thinking maybe it is Wildwood, New Jersey. And I am cold, barfy, annoyed, upset. My day is being ruined, and all that careful planning is going down the tubes, and, and, and. And then I remembered gin and honey. Gin and honey. Flowing with the life of the universe. Life is doing its thing, and at the moment, I'm just along for the ride. If I am suffering from what is being served up, it's my choice. I couldn't change the seat. I couldn't change the route. I couldn't change the temperature. Or the conversation, but I could change how I was responding to it all. I could respond rather than react. And I think that's why we call it first responders. We're not, we don't have first reactors. Responding comes more from going with the flow of things and being calm even in the center of a storm and responding to the situation as it is, whereas reacting is more intense and more maybe with anger and fear and you're reacting to something. So I could respond rather than react. And I did. I did respond. And for the last half hour of that two-hour trip, I bundled up a bit more. I saw the scenery as something new and different, whatever it was. And I heard all that talk about sex and stuff. And I heard it as life happening. And finally, I got off the bus at this amazing, glorious beach, far from the city, just a few local people having a great time. And me too. Ginny and gin and honey all around. Thanks, everybody. Aloha and goodbye. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's all listening. Uh, you know, that's really good tools for one spiritual toolkit. And you know, nice phrases that really keep us on track. You know, to to respond rather than react. Yeah, indeed. And uh, life is doing its thing, and we're along for the ride. The idea of humans controlling nature and exploiting nature—you know—it's a it's a endless theme. And I remember in the '60s. I was in college, and hardly anybody off the street, ecology was a new word. 
many people that they didn't know what it, they never heard the word ecology, you know. It was, and uh, that's incredible now when you think about it. And uh, but not littering and you know taking care of the planet. Um, maybe not. No, no, maybe about it. Uh, the um, going to the moon and going up and seeing the Earth. As that pale blue dot, I think had a lot to do with it. Our place in the world, and that's the basis for deep experience. Experiences we might call religious, oneness with nature. Okay? That kind of a perspective, I guess. Japanese teaching of takkan. Uh, Philosophical perspective, big perspective. That's uh, called the gateway to Satori, and that kind of a perspective. More like like the common, uh, popular title of the book, Don't Sweat the Small Things. And it's mostly all small things. We we think about the big things, just the fact that we're alive and we greet a new day and the sun is here and you know, uh, it really does put things in perspective, and we know that our our attitude is what's crucial. You know, carpe diem, seize the day. Okay, or I like Maya Angelou. I think her one of her quotes is, "Yeah, life loves it when you grab it by the lapel and say, 'I'm with you, kid. Let's go.'" And uh, yeah. I remember seeing a license plate said, uh, no, a license plate sticker, bumper sticker. Okay. Uh, Nature's God. Three little words. But wow. I really, I always wondered who, who, uh, what kind of a organization put that saying out? Nature is God. It might have been God is nature. But I think it was nature is God. And uh, when we think about ultimate reality, those kind of words and natural laws, the way things are, as opposed to the way things, the way we want things to be. Uh, um, one time I asked my father, probably in his early 90s, and it was a quiet morning. We were walking in my brother's uh, farm among the grapevines and I asked I had planned this in fact you know, I wanted to take advantage of these opportunities and so I asked him if he was worried about you know he's getting on in years he's worried about death impending death and, and he just nonchalantly said nah nature will take care of everything nothing to be worried about it wasn't a very dramatic earth shaking statement he made but I, I still remember it, and the more it sinks into me, the more I realize that more than a a belief or something like that, what do you mean nature will take care of things? You're so, he was so one with nature that that that, that was the reality of things, and he, for him, it wasn't something that you had to convince yourself about or 
you know, if it's not in your bones, those kind of things probably don't give you much cons- uh, consolence or, or comfort when you think about human mortality and so forth. So it really has to be uh, I don't know, maybe a hard-won battle or war or whatever in terms of really, I don't know, maybe that's what, well, what spiritual practice and, you know, so it becomes second nature to you. That, yeah, I am one with nature. It's not just a pleasant thought, but that we become like that in our bones. And yeah, then we realize, hey, God, man, you <laughs> really don't have to worry about something, anything, because nature's going to take care of everything. And the implications of that for, for one's life philosophy or one's takkan, one's perspective of how to live life. And uh, so... That's all for today's broadcast. Until next time, keep weeding, keep going, and you have a wonderful day. Thank you.